July 11th. As we turn our attention now to the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 28, verses 1 through 31. Does anything in this chapter surprise you? That the natives were kind? The natives may have been superstitious, but even unsaved people can show concern for those in need. And are you surprised that Paul was bitten? I mean, had he not already been through enough suffering? When Satan cannot win as the lion, then he becomes as the serpent. And are you surprised that the Jewish leaders rejected the word? God's chosen people should have known the scripture. Yet when it was time to decide, the group was divided. But Paul kept witnessing and let God bless the word as he pleased. Well, with that... Let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. July 11th, Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 31. Once we, Luke, Paul, and his companions, were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us and warm us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself onto his hand. The people of the island saw it hanging there and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us courteously and fed us for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were cured. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people put on board all sorts of things we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there we sailed across to Regean. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day we sailed up the coast to Pirioli. There we found some believers, who invited us to stay with them seven days. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the Three Taverns, When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me, and wanted to release me, for they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, 
even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I ask you to come here today so we could get acquainted, and so I could tell you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have heard nothing against you. We have had no letters from Judea or reports from anyone who has arrived here. But we want to hear what you believe. For the only thing we know about these Christians is that they are denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's house. He told them about the kingdom of God, and taught them about Jesus from the Scriptures, from the five books of Moses and the books of the prophets. He began lecturing in the morning and went on into the evening. Some believed and some didn't, but after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to our ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to my people, You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to realize that this salvation from God is also available to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years Paul lived in his own rented house. He welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God with all boldness and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. Today we're reading out of the book of Psalm chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, and we'll be reading about praise. God had won a victory for David, so he sang a song of praise to the Lord. It was not a personal battle. Because David was doing God's will, the Lord maintained his cause. We'll also read about the promise. David looked ahead to the time when God would finally judge sin and establish his righteous kingdom. And we'll read about prayer. From considering the past and the future, David turned to his present need as he prayed for God's help. His need was for mercy. His motive was that he might praise the Lord and tell others of his salvation. Why? Because there is a place called hell, and God's salvation is the only escape from that terrible place. If you've come into this room and you've wondered, what does Christianity really teach? What's the essence of Christianity? What's the heart of it? I mean, it's a big book and it's a big movement. And uh, what is the one essential, crucial, bottom line thing that Christians all believe? It's right here. Christ died for a reason. And instead of me telling you what it is or even commenting, on the text, I'm going to read 10 statements for why he died. Number one, verse four. Surely our griefs he himself bore. Number two, verse four. And our sorrows he carried. Number three, verse five. 
but he was pierced through for our transgressions. Number four, verse five. He was crushed for our iniquities. Number five, verse five. The chastening, the punishment of our peace or our well-being fell on him. He bore the chastening. Number six, verse five. And by his scourging, we are healed. Number seven, verse six. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Number eight, verse eight. He was stricken for the transgression of my people. Number nine, verse 11. He will bear their iniquities. Number 10, verse 12. He bore the sin of many. The essence, the heart of Christianity is Jesus Christ died for sin. To deny that Christ died for sin is to cancel Christianity. You can't say, we like Christianity and deny that Christ died. It is Christianity. Psalm chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. For the choir director, a psalm of David to be sung to the tune, Death of the Son. I will thank you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn away and retreat. They are overthrown and destroyed before you. For you have judged in my favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have wiped out their names forever. My enemies have met their doom. Their cities are perpetual ruins. Even the memory of their uprooted cities is lost. But the Lord reigns forever. Executing judgment from His throne, He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, have never abandoned anyone who searches for you. Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds, for he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore those who cry to him for help. Proverbs 19, verses 1 through 3. It is better to be poor and honest than to be a fool and dishonest. Zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. <laughs> 